Welcome back to Almost Heretical. I'm Nate, and we're continuing to work our way through the Bible. We're in Genesis, and we're looking at Genesis 2 today, I believe. Is that right, Shelby? Yep, it's taken us a couple episodes to get through Genesis 1, but we're finally into Genesis 2, or where it should start, uh, the, the second part of, the second installment in Genesis. So. And this is just the whole creation story again. Well, that's what what we would like to think or what we've been taught to think, but we'll, we'll kind of talk about oh, that. I'm getting ahead. I'm getting ahead so, of myself. So yeah, essentially this is uh, seen as, well, first of all, I'd say Genesis 2 is usually just, we probably grew up not thinking of it as creation story part two, but just thinking of it as one unit with Genesis 1. It was like creation story zoomed in. Yeah. It's like, we're going to tell you more of the details. Yeah, and for those who maybe weren't listening to the last few episodes and maybe haven't been in Genesis for a while, um, the the bird's eye view is Genesis 1 is the kind of the very poetic, you know, in the beginning God created, and then, you know, there's evening and there's morning the first day, God said, let there be light, and then the creation of of humans is essentially God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, and that's kind of it. So it's a much more... Um, big picture, kind of creation-oriented creation story. Genesis 2, which, I mean, it act- technically starts in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, but as we talked about before, the, the chapter and verse breaks are all much later editions. Um, so it really should have, the, the chapter break should have been at the end of the Genesis, the chapter break should have been at Genesis, what is 2-3, and started with what is currently 2-4. And that's where we're going to start today. And yeah, it's kind of seen as human or as creation story, the detailed version. Like now that we've gotten the big picture, we're going to talk because this is the one that has, you know, Adam and the individual creation of the woman. And there's the, the dialogue between God and, and Adam and then the, and the trees and the garden. And so it's the much more kind of detailed version. But what's interesting is um, actually... The if you read the the Masoretic text, text which is like the oldest the old Jewish um, Hebrew text of of all of these, the one that was most used would have been the one that was Jesus Jesus was using. That's still the text that's used today. Um, it's there's a break between the first creation account and then when this one starts, and there's no break between this second kind of creation narrative and what we also call the fall narrative. So Genesis 2 and 3 are kind of like the next installment. Like they they are um, what some scholars would call two acts in a play or or even four different scenes, like two in the in Genesis 2, two in Genesis 3. So basically all I'm saying, and we'll get more into it, is that this Genesis 2 story is much more tied to the, the the fall account like it's it is one narrative and it, there is no break so if we were reading this without the chapters and verses um we would read one story the genesis one and then we would read the next story which would include this creation and the the fall narrative all in why one. are there two well we just we've divided them that way in our minds because we but think why do of, they tell the story again uh that's a good question is it's, that a, like a technique or like a we're I mean, supposed to get something from that, or yeah, it's kind of confusing, right? I mean, that's why, because of that, because of doing telling part of the story twice is why probably 
we have to figure out what to do with it. Are we going to say it's another version of the same story? Are we going to say, no, let's merge them together? Are we going to say, you know, so like we wouldn't be left with that if they hadn't included right. two tellings of a story. And I, it, because of the way we read it, it seems confusing that way. But really, Genesis itself is a compilation of a lot of oral tradition and different stories. Like even there's the story of Abraham and Abimelech, Abraham and Sarah and Abimelech, where... Um, which is later on, I think Genesis 12. Or, well, one one of these stories is Genesis 12. The other one is Genesis 20. And, one, and both of them are stories of Abraham going down to a certain land and the leader covets his wife. And so he lies about her and she's taken and then God saves her. Like that's the basic gist. That happens twice. Once with Abimelech, once with Pharaoh in two different chapters in Genesis. Nobody would have read that as like Abraham was literally dumb enough to do the same thing two times. It's just two different versions of the story. And they're both included in Genesis because they both were traditions that were told. So kind of similarly, oh, okay. these are just two different traditions of mm, That makes creation. more sense. Yeah. Some notes would have helped, right? Like if they had, it's like, hey, this, is, <laughs> this one was a commonly told story. This is also a commonly told story. Well, there are notes um, in the margins of a lot of these scrolls, but, you know, they aren't those notes don't get passed to the next scroll necessarily. So, mm. But I mean, huge portions of the Dead Sea Scrolls are what's called Pesha or texts, which is essentially, I mean, a line of a scripture and then a line of commentary, line of scripture, line of commentary. So it's what we would call a commentary, so sort of their version of a commentary. Mm. So those notes do exist. We just don't necessarily read them. But before we get into just talking more about kind of the interesting tidbits and things to learn about this text. I want to maybe um, just read through a bit of the text. Uh, I don't want to assume that everybody remembers all the differences between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And um, and then as we go, uh, maybe the two of us reading, I, I want you to feel free to stop too. And whenever there's a random verse, you're like, oh man, I forgot about this one. Like, let's talk about this for a second. So, or something that you're like, whoa, what are they talking about here? You know, I've got some notes of things that I'm looking forward to sharing, but um, let's just kind of read through the passage and see what pops out as we go. Okay, so this is Genesis 2? Yeah, starting in verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not yet set, had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. So you can already see, I'll just jump, you can already see this is a different story. Like it's not set immediately after or before the the Genesis 1 account. Like Genesis 1 started in the beginning. God created, you know, there was nothing but, you know, this formless void that then God creates out of. Whereas in this one, it, we already have a an earth. It's just not really populated or um, mm-hmm. there's not things growing. So it's it's a very different, like... With unless you're being taught to harmonize these, you wouldn't nec- you wouldn't think to harmonize these. They're not right the same. Yeah, because it doesn't start with like and now in yeah. the garden or like yeah. Uh, where was I? Well, I start in verse seven. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees. Were you going to say something? I was going to say something. Okay. Something interesting that I noticed while digging into this passage a little more before before this. 
um, that I hadn't really stopped to notice before, and then a couple commentators pointed out, is the garden is in Eden, in, in the east. The garden's not actually called Eden. It's just, it's a garden that is in a place called Eden. And mm. like, we just have come to call it. I mean, when we, like it does say later, the garden of Eden, but, uh, but, but even that, you know, you could say the garden of Oregon city, that's where we live or the garden of Chicago or whatever. That doesn't mean like that. That's actually the name of the garden. So anyway, it's just kind of a small mm. thing, but, but I was like, wait, what? The garden itself is not actually I mean, does named this mean that Eden? there was a city potentially. Or an area? An area. Why yeah. is there an area already called Eden? Yeah, anyways, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And then also that phrase, the garden in the east, um, was some commentators said that the the east um, can also be used in ancient you know, Hebrew as like a temporal statement. So it could mean like of old. Oh, okay. So, I mean, these are the kind of things that give you the... Uh, the there's signposts that you're reading a story too, you know, like a long, long time ago kind of a thing, yeah, right? Yeah, once like, upon a time. Right. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, all right. We'll pause right there for a second. Hey, Brian, do you know anyone that was once a teenage fundamentalist? Oh, Troy, you know that I was because you and I have a podcast called I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist. I did know that. But you know what I find myself asking these days? No, I don't, but I think you're going to tell me. What about all those things that church gave us definite answers for? What are we supposed to think about all those things now? Well, funnily enough, that's what we're doing for season five of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist. Ooh, Brian. I sense the Lord at work here. Mm, he works in mysterious ways. And we are going to unpack these things. We're going to find out what we do think about them now. So tune in to Season 5 of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist, the official podcast for the Azusa Street Revival. <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure that's true, but it is available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> So these trees, I first, what, what, I don't know, what did you grow up picturing or thinking, or did you have images of these in your children's Bible? Yeah, I don't think there's enough talked about, about these being two different trees. You know, that seems weird, but like, cause it clearly says that, but like, we always just talk about like one tree, you know, mm, what's the purpose the, the of the other one? The one that they're not supposed to eat off. Right. So what's the purpose of the other tree? And... Why do we only talk about the one? I'm yeah. just kind of noticing that now. Yeah, and I think, well, one thing that I was reading that uh, made me pause, I'll be, I thought it was interesting, is that um, the, well, the, so the tree of life has become kind of this image and, and was already sort of imagery in the ancient Near East. And really, you see it in cultures all over the world, this this concept of a tree of life. Isn't that what the tree in the middle of like Animal Kingdom in Disney World is called? The tree of life, that big Probably. huge fake tree they have. But the tree of the knowledge of oh, oh, but the tree of life, it doesn't it really doesn't come up much else throughout um the Bible. Um 
In fact, it's essentially not referenced again, except for in Proverbs a few times. Um, but the, the presupposition of the tree is that um, if the, as God says as later on in the, in the story, um, or does it say something about it? Ascent, but the tree of life, oh, after, at the end of the story, at the end of Genesis 3, when um, they're, they're getting there, they're being punished and sent out of the garden, then God says, now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting there that I had never really thought about before is that it's presupposing that the man is not already going to live forever. And I've always had this mindset that Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, like they were immortal until they made their big mistake. And, right, and now death's going to come to you. Yeah. Yeah. Mortality was their punishment, um, which it does talk about death being their punishment. And actually we'll talk a bit about more about that when we get to that part. But, um, but the text actually presupposes that they are mortal beings, but that they could have the possibility of becoming immortal if they were to eat from this tree. And scholars were saying, you know, there's, it's not clear whether it's like you eat from this tree one time and you become immortal, or if it's like something that could, you know, you, you would continue to eat to support mm-hmm. your like you know, mortal fountain life. of youth type of thing. Yeah. Fountain of youth sort of thing. Now, do you, they were never instructed not to eat from that tree. Right. I know. They just like, missed come their on. shot basically. Yeah. Or, I mean, for all we know, it could be the idea that they were eating from the tree. Uh. But um, but then when they ate from this other tree, it threw everything off and then they got kicked out. But uh, I mean, you could demystify it too, but like tree of life could just be you eat to stay alive. Yeah. I mean, they weren't true. eating animals at this point, so. That would uh, definitely make it seem less like a fairy tale. But I mean, it does have that verse at the end about like, don't let them eat from the tree of life now or they'll live forever. Yeah, true, so. true. Okay. Um, so I don't don't think that's the message they were going for, but it's an interesting thought. So, uh, but the other tree I thought was even more interesting, this tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, it's definitely more interesting <laughs> because that's what the whole story plays on. into the story way yeah. more, but it's, it is never referenced again throughout the rest of scripture, which I thought was particularly interesting. Um, just that this story that seems so foundational to everything that, you know, the gospel that we, in the way that we've known it. Um, doesn't it doesn't appear to be that significant to the rest of scripture writers. So anyway. Yeah, that's weird. You'd think if this really was the first scene of your story that you're telling, right? Because, you know, you hear a lot of people trying to do this. I'm going to tell you the gospel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start from the beginning. I'm going to tell you this whole thing. You know, there's Adam and Eve. They started out, and they, but they, they couldn't resist the sin, right? And they took from it. And so that sets the stage for this Savior that we need to... But, like, you'd think if it was this critical thing... And this tree was this critical piece in this story. Then you would hear about it a lot more, right? Mm-hmm. Well, interesting. And I think we, like, one reason I probably never really realized that I you don't hear about it is because we we sort of harmonize all these stories. And so whenever you know, whenever we talk about sin in uh, you know Paul's letters, or whenever we we talk about the gospels in the gospels, like the gospel message, we kind of see all this imagery. Because we're it's in sermons, it's being included and it's all being tied together, or in, you know, the the commentaries we're reading, or or in the children's Bibles we grew up with, but it's not actually connected in, in the actual texts. It's connections that we've been given. Okay, remember that popular children's Bible, not the Adventure Bible that was later, but that earlier one was like white and it had the picture of the kind of the 
animals and garden yeah, kind of thing on the so. front of it. Like the Hosanna Bible or something. Oh, maybe. Something but like that. I feel like with that one and in any of these, they never show two trees, I don't think. It's never drawn mm, that way. It's always drawn as the one tree in the middle of the garden. And it's always in the exact center of the garden and it's one tree. <laughs> yeah. It's email. Huh. Email in. Yeah. And let me know if you can send me images. I want to, I'll, I'll cover this in the next episode if we can, but I want to see images. If there are, if there are depictions, not like adult depictions, but like kids Bible <laughs> depictions of two trees. Well, I will I don't say, think there are. I will say something that's this, I didn't, uh, that's interesting is in, in Mandarin. Um, I don't, I, I, I'm taking this piece of knowledge from a video I watched years ago very much could be wrong. It was about how you can so find... this is a trust me, bro? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I, but it, it was about how you can find traces of the gospel or of Jewish history or the, these stories in um, Chinese characters. I don't know how much of that is actually legitimate or not. But I will say the, the word in Mandarin for um, like prohibit or... That's forbid. Forbid. Forbode. Is... Uh, it's put together with the top of it is two of trees, the symbol for tree, and then underneath them is a woman, which is kind of mm. interesting. That was one of the um, one of the Ill- images that was given. Poor Eve. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, um. we'll get we'll get to her. <laughs> we'll get to that. Oh, we have yeah. We're we're still in the in the creation part. She doesn't even exist yet in this story. So true. All right. Uh, yeah. So the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Oh, we get to do the rib thing again. Okay. Go ahead. Let's keep going. <laughs> um, you could just, I mean, t- verses 10 through 14 are, if you start reading them, maybe people go ahead. Okay. What was that? Uh, it's just, that? it's a, it's a weird little. Oh, uh, okay. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. And there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the... You just want me to read all the names. (laughs) Okay, I'll stop you. Uh, 10 through 14. It's just like a... Well, scholars are fairly confident. This is a later edition just kind of popped in there about the the region. Mm. Um, And honestly, I'm going to skip over it for the most part. You can go back and read. It talks about the different gems and the rivers and it's locating it, but um, we're just going to keep moving. So go on to verse 15. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. I'm looking over. Okay. All right. Death, but you're good with that. Okay. The we'll, Lord God. We'll get that. We'll get there. Okay. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Okay, that seemed like a big one, but you don't have anything. A 19. Now the Lord God had formed well, out of the... Okay, okay, well, yeah, maybe read that verse. Oh, hold on. Okay. It's not good yeah. for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So this is the beginning of what um, one commentator, I think it was Brueggemann. And he divides the Genesis 2-3 narrative into four what kind of scenes. Um, and so this is the beginning of scene two. Scene one was kind of the, the creation of man, he, Adam, although he hasn't been called Adam yet. And then um, scene two begins with this um, creation of woman. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a verse that we've probably all heard a time or two. Um, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper for him. And I heard it a lot of Christian weddings. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. We'll be talking about marriage. That's definitely going to be part of this. Um, and a lot of women have some pretty mixed, uh, mixed emotions about the verse. I mean, first of all, I mean, it can be seen in two different ways, this creation of, of woman at this point. The, the kind of more negative view is um, that that woman is essentially an afterthought. Like, you know, oh, man, oh, you know, we had our human, we had our man, and he was doing great, and then it just didn't quite work out. So, hmm, how do we fix this problem? I'll create this woman to help him. Like, that's the, the one that doesn't feel so good. And then another way of looking at it is to, that I have heard women, you know, um, say, or I've heard people preach from the pulpit, usually wasn't women, but is how great, what, how great it is that creation wasn't complete until woman was made. And that, you know, she's kind of the, more like the crown jewel and the, the one that finally I thought of a third one. Sure. Men, man, we're literally going to die and not make it. <laughs> <laughs> and so they needed women in order for humanity to continue. Yeah. Yeah. So I will say both of those perspectives are equally valid. Like there's, it's not like there's one that should be the takeaway and one shouldn't be. It's a, it's kind of a strange narrative. And part of why I like the, you know, when it comes to teaching, if I was going to teach, you know, my children, the, a creation story, I'm probably going to go with Genesis one because I like just the, the, it's much more egalitarian. It's, it's, it's not really focused on, what? Should we do a spin-off podcast? We could do it on Utterly Heretical or just a whole other podcast where we do it's like a kids Oh. kids maybe for, uh, kids stories that for like parents that are struggling with all this. Do you want that? Do you guys want that? This the, I would need a lot of help and some creative people. So if you're that person, send us a message. Yeah, if you want it, let us know. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, you like play it in the car, like with the kid, you know, like yeah. five minute story kind of thing, 10 minute. Yes. There are some pretty cool stories. Do voices. Think. Yep. Those are the creative people I need. Well, you could do the voices. Yeah. I could do voices. <laughs> okay. Okay. Where were we? Oh, so yeah. Uh, so woman is then is being created as the helper. I will make a helper fit for him. Those word helper, or as the King James put it, helpmate, which is often how I think it is still known um is this ezer kenegeto and that's how it is said in hebrew i mean that's not a great present not a great pronunciation of it but um it's pretty familiar also i will bet you that there are some people listening to this podcast who have that exact those words tattooed on their arm this is a Good pretty common our, if we have a daughter <laughs> name her ezer <laughs> we're pregnant <laughs> yes we are. have we, we said that on here uh i don't think we have we try not to timestamp things but it could be kind of fun to yeah. look back later but we don't know if it's a girl or a boy though but yeah do soon yeah uh, but anyway ezer ezer can is this helper word helpmate and it's not uh it does have some pretty cool connotations like pretty much every other time it's used in the old testament it's referring to god god as the helper of israel so um, feminist scholars and really scholars in general are quick to point that out, that it's not like this is your maidservant or something. It's, it's very much an, an equal, if not sometimes greater term. So, so even though uh, I'd say in English the connotation is not great, like it's, a, it's a pretty good connotation in, in mm. Hebrew, which That's is good. nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, keep reading. Verse 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. 
So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Uh, The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Um, Should I finish it out here? That is why a man... No, this is more the wedding passages. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Totally. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. There's the rib verse. I know. This is one of your favorites. Well, we when we covered this all back uh, when we did the early Genesis stuff, the beginning of Almost Heretical, like five years ago, we, we talked about, were you taught? And there's two, there's a couple camps here. Were you taught, um, like in Sunday school growing up, or just did you, not even taught, but like, did you believe that men had one less rib than women? <laughs> did uh, you, I think I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I thought that at one point. And you're not a man, so you didn't do this, but like, I remember feeling account <laughs> trying to count both sides. Cause it's like, what side was it, you know, taken from? So like, I, but I don't think anyone ever like told me that. I don't think, but I thought that. And a lot of listeners thought that you've emailed in over the years. I mean, hundreds of people have emailed mm-hmm. in saying they were also <laughs> under, that impression or under the impression that men had one less rip. And you go look at it. I mean, men do not have one less rib than women. We, we all have the same <laughs> amount of ribs. Uh, anyway. Yeah. You can, if you are just hearing about this rib debate for the first time, it's not even a debate. If you're hearing about this rib thing for the first time, I want to know, were you also under the impression that if you were raised in the church and all that kind of stuff, that, that men had one less rib? And if you're a man, did you feel around for it like I did? Okay. <laughs> I never really liked the um, the fact that Eve was made out of the man's rib because to me it just felt like like woman is suddenly derivative of man mm-hmm. whereas nothing else is like everything else God made from the dirt and then this one is pulled out of man um and and then yeah even more so now I'm like that's like the one role not the one role but one of the most significant things that women about women is that literally they create life and so the fact that in this story, man gets to be the one who like provides life. To, I was like, come on, that's yeah. didn't seem very fair, but I don't, I doubt that's what they were trying to get at with the story. It's if anything, it was probably, uh, I mean, many feminist scholars have wanted to interpret this as a sign of equality that like it was literally taken from his side, you know, it could have been, you know, it's, I mean, it's a pretty patriarchal society. He could have been a like toe bone or yeah, something. Yeah, or one of those bones in their feet that you don't even. Yeah, know exactly. Need yeah. So. What came first, the woman or the rib? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, because how did Adam, Adam was just formed out of the dirt? I yeah. guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, these are not. This is not scientific fact. No, uh, sorry, no and Ken they Ham. were not reading it that way either. Yeah. So that's not the point of these. And if you're focused on that, I don't think most of our listeners are or any of our listeners are but if you are focused on that being like this is how it happened this is science then you end up missing the story and you end up missing what the point of any of this actually was and probably what the people writing it and reciting it and reading it um believed it to be um which wasn't necessarily like you know wait how did it how did it all happen again exactly because they have two versions of it so (laughs) that's how we know this wasn't like a science wasn't the point you know, it's interesting, um, Adam here, 
has this, this whole thing where he names the woman, um, which in that verse where... Woe man. That was what, right? Yeah, woe man. I heard so <laughs> many, many different pastors, <laughs> mostly youth pastors, making a joke about why it was that, which is just, I was, I mean, I feel like even at that point I was annoyed because I'm like, yeah. you can't make an English joke out of this. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> this is more translating this from Hebrew. Uh, but what is interesting, actually, is that um, in this, it, I mean, purely by chance, I would say, the English actually parallels pretty well with the Hebrew, better than a lot of languages would, because um, the word man, there's so there's two words going on here. Um, Adam is one word for kind of human or man, and then it's as, as there's a, a prefix added onto it, like a an article, Le Adam, that makes it, it's becoming his first name. Um, but there's also the word Ish that literally just means man. So there's two words for man going on, Adam and Ish. And then um, woman is Isha. So Ish and Isha, it's um, like English actually does a has a pretty good parallel of man and woman. Like their woman is just essentially a derivative of the word man, which again, not my favorite. I would like it if you know, woman could be the default for once, but, uh, it's, but it's just interesting that the way that we read this verse in English saying she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. We're essentially seeing like, that would be different if you're reading in Spanish. Cause it'd be like, she shall be called mujer because she was taken out of hombre. Like those words don't connect. So mm. we're kind of, we got a, a, a lucky, lucky one there. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So the, again, once again, as you say, as a linguist, the language, dictates our understanding of the passage to an yeah. extent yeah it could at least we have to be aware of it so to to kind of wrap this one up um we've gotten a bit of a comparison now between this um this version and the genesis one version which again this version that we just talked through is not done we're going to continue it um got some actually really big stuff to talk about um as far as is this instituting marriage and da, 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 we'll get there um, in the next episode. But, but for now, just point out how uh, this one is, I would say the much less egalitarian version. And, but it also is just, it's a different focus. It's focusing on human humans and their role and their relationship with God in a different way. I mean, this the story's not over, you know, it's going to go right into the eating of the fruit and the judgment and all of that. So, so they're just different stories and we can choose to use them uh, in the context that we want. Yeah. I mean, cause in this one, you don't have like sun and you don't have like light and dark and you don't have stars and like yeah. technically in this one, if this is all you had, none of that stuff created by god <laughs> it was it's, all just there it's there right and so yeah. honestly that would that would be helpful for people that i think you maybe if you didn't have those components from story one genesis one you wouldn't probably it wouldn't lead people like ken ham down that road of being like That's this true. is about science this is about ancient you know cosmological understandings or like we just wouldn't we wouldn't do that probably if you were just like there was a garden and then there was a man in the garden and then God created animals and, or God created the man and God created animals and then he created a woman and you wouldn't go like, oh, so this is how like the planet earth became a yeah. thing. Yeah. Anyway. 
So yeah, different stories, different purposes, and we'll get into some pretty interesting stuff in the next episode. Yeah, that one sounds uh, intense and exciting. Okay. Um, um, I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. So, well, well, thanks for joining us for this one and stick around for that next one. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so you get these updates when we when we do these episodes because um, part two of this little conversation on Genesis 2, Genesis 2 part two <laughs> is coming soon. <laughs> Um, and if you want to support this show, you probably hear us talk about it a lot, but it does, it does really help, um, the, the few dollars a month to get into our private Facebook group, get extra episodes of a second podcast we do called Utterly Heretical, where we say really crazy things, <laughs> just kidding, but kind of, um, and we talk, we tell more stories over there and just kind of more of our experience in ministry and Bible college and that kind of stuff. It's a um, whole different vibe. Whole different vibe. Whole different vibe. You got to check it out. Um, and then, yeah, if you want these uh, quarterly calls we do with patrons, where uh, supporters of the show, where we can meet you and talk to you and um, I'll ch- chat about this kind of stuff together. So we'd love to see you in that group. All that stuff is for you if um, you want to support the show for a few dollars. It's super helpful to help us keep this all going. All right. Thanks, friends. And we will catch you next time. <laughs>